How can a parent use positive reinforcement to help modify their child's behavior? Is positive reinforcement the same as praise? In today's episode, we'll discuss how to effectively use positive reinforcement with your child. I am Cindy Huffington, and this is Curious Neuron. Welcome to Curious Neuron, a podcast about child development and education with information that is backed by science. I am your host, Cindy Huffington. I have a doctorate degree in neuroscience and postdoctoral training in education. My specialties are understanding how the brain develops and how play promotes learning. I love searching through science articles to see what I could apply with my own three kids, and I want to share this information with you. Follow Curious Neuron on Instagram to vote for the topics I'll cover and send in your questions for the experts. For more information, visit us at CuriousNeuron.com. Hi everyone, welcome back. So I came across uh, this really interesting study by Siegler and Amador, uh, written in the Early Childhood Education Journal in 2005, and it was all about positive reinforcement. And I thought that this was an interesting uh, topic to discuss with you because there really still are some um, various opinions concerning the value of positive reinforcement when we're talking about modifying a child's behavior. There's uh, another article written in 2001 by Cohen, and he and he feels really strongly about the fact that positive reinforcement could stifle a child's intrinsic motivation, for example. It's making them praise junkies, and he even says that it's a way for us parents to manipulate our children. Whether you believe that or not, what I really want to focus on today is digging deeper when it comes to positive reinforcement. What's good about it? What might be bad about it? And how could we as parents effectively use positive reinforcement to help our children modify their behavior? And I think something that I was reminded of when reading this article is that praise and positive reinforcement are not the same. And there definitely is a negative aspect of empty praise. So if you're always telling your child, good job, Um, for whatever they do, that becomes empty praise and there are negative consequences to this. And we'll discuss this more in our interview. We really need to be aware that what we say to a child could um, alter the outcome. So this article that I was discussing um, gives a nice little summary of this and I'll, I'll read it for you. So it says, it is true that when a child is engaged in creative activity like drawing or painting, if you indicate, I like the color purple you are using, you will indeed get an entire page of purple. The important point is to understand why that would happen. It is not because the child sees little value in in his or her own opinions or activities. It is not that the child is dependent on adult approval. And it is certainly not that she feels she is being judged. It is because what you have said pleases him or her. And they want to be part of your life and the activities that interest you. So this is just a a little snippet from the article. And after my interview with um, Courtney, I'll outline what they said in this article in terms of how to effectively use positive reinforcement. And it'll just sum up what I'll discuss with um, Courtney. I hope you enjoy this interview. 
Today's guest is a board-certified behavior analyst who has been delivering services based on Applied Behavior Analysis, or ABA, to children and youth with developmental disabilities such as autism for over 10 years. She started the Instagram account at Built in Behavior while on maternity leave with her second child in 2019 to share information on how the science of ABA can be used to help parents choose effective parenting strategies to teach their children important skills and reduce challenging behaviors. My guest today is Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Hi. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about this topic because as a parent myself with three kids, so I have a, a six-month-old, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old, you know, trying to figure out how to help our children with their behavior is a challenge. It's difficult because each child is different. They each have their own temperament. And, you know, we it's hard to know what's right and what's wrong and how to go about it. So I'm glad that we're going to talk about positive reinforcement today. Um, I love it too. Yeah, I'm glad to have someone to chat about it because um, I just I could talk all day. So, <laughs> I'm glad. <so. laughs> That's good. And so now I, I'm thinking about the research. There seems to be people on, or researchers on both sides of the story when it comes to positive reinforcement, saying you know some arguing against it and some saying that it's uh, beneficial. So before we get into all of that, um, how how about we define what positive reinforcement is? Yeah. I think that's a great place to start. I think sometimes people, when they say positive reinforcement or praise, they think the terms are interchangeable. Mm -hmm. So as a behavior analyst, when I'm talking about positive reinforcement, it's something very specific. And that's when I can see that the behavior is increasing in the future then I know that positive reinforcement has occurred because whatever we did following that behavior has made it more likely that that, that behavior is going to continue in the future. Mm -hmm. So that's for a, not a challenging behavior, but a good behavior? Yeah, so beha yeah, yeah. Beha yeah, exactly. Behavior in general. So it can okay. be something that we see as desirable or appropriate. So mm -hmm. my child says, uh, may I have a cookie, please? And I say, sure. And I give him a cookie. And next time he's hungry and he wants a cookie, he says, may I have a cookie, please? Because he's learned that when he asks for a cookie and says, please, that that gets him what he needs. It could work the same way if he is flopping on the ground, screaming and crying. And I was like, oh, okay, that's enough. Stop. Come here. You can have a cookie. Mm -hmm. And then it, the next time he's like, oh, you know, it'd be really great if I could have a cookie. I know what I can do. And he starts flopping on the ground and screaming and crying. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Get, like, get over here. Let's have some cookies. So, mm. it, um, so it's not about whether the behavior is appropriate or inappropriate. It's about what are the consequences for that behavior? And do we see an increase in the future in that behavior? And... So when we're thinking about the child being on the floor and knowing that if they do that, they'll get the cookie, um, it, it reminds me of, the, so one of the struggles that I had was my son um, was sucking his thumb. And I remember bringing it up to his pediatrician and his recommendation was not to give any reinforcement. So not to get upset about it, not to give positive reinforcement when he wasn't sucking his thumb. Um, so how do we as parents know... Uh, when it's the right time to give reinforcement or should we not be giving any reinforcement at all? That is, it's such a challenge because, <laughs> because what we need actually, 
I'm, I'm thinking a bunch of things when, you, when you're talking about this chat mm-hmm. that you've had with your pediatrician. And my initial instinct is, what is the reinforcer? Like, get curious about this behavior. Why is this behavior happening? And um, it seems like your pediatrician was suggesting, you know, maybe it's happening for attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking, this, I'm thinking more the sensation of sucking the thumb is something that in and of itself can be reinforcing and that it might not matter what you say or do that the physical act of putting that thumb in my mouth and sucking on it that's my reinforcer the the soothing aspect of it yes so it's almost like a, a reward for the brain. I'm thinking about the, the reward system, right? So if that's rewarding and it feels good, then I'm going to keep doing it. Exactly. And ah, we call okay. that automatic reinforcement. Ah. And it's, it's, it, that is a challenging, it's challenging to compete with that because how, how do you stop that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Short, short of putting mittens on your child so they can <laughs> access that, right? And then that's, that's why as behavior analysts, we're always looking at what's the replacement behavior? What's an appropriate replacement behavior? So if my child enjoys sucking on their thumb, is it, is it something about the sucking sensation? Can I give them opportunities throughout the day where they could have uh, a lollipop mm-hmm. and they could suck on that? Um, or is it, um, you know, the, the sensation on their thumb, could we teach them um, a massage t- technique on, on mm-hmm. their thumb to get, so sort of thinking about um, the replacement, right? It's, we're yeah. seeing something that is detrimental to their health and well-being. If they continue to suck their thumb, they're, they're maybe going to have deformities in their jaw or their mm-hmm. teeth, and it's going to be expensive to have orthodontic care. Um, and it might be painful to have orthodontic care to, to fix their, their teeth. So, um, we want to find a replacement for that thumb sucking that's not going to have the same physical consequences for them, mm-hmm. but still and, meet that need that they have to self-soothe. Yeah, so I'm thinking about this, you know, replacement behavior. So I think mm-hmm. in an example, let's say if you have a child who's aggressive um, and you're or they're biting or they're hitting around two or three years old. Yeah. Um, so now... I, I again thinking my two and a four year old I know that that behavior could happen if my two-year-old has a toy taken away from him because he can't express you know that that frustration so oh, yeah. in that case using what you just said so taking that you know trying to replace that behavior with something else so using maybe a, a code word if they're not able to to communicate would that be an example of what you were saying yeah so finding out what is the purpose we call them functions of behavior um, what what d- function does that behavior serve? Does it get your child access to the toy that they want? Does it get your child attention? Um, does your child ha- get escape from maybe a challenging situation? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then that automatic reinforcement piece again that we talked about it could be any combination of any of those four things. And once we know what purpose that behavior serves then we can find like you said an appropriate replacement so um, if they're hitting because they want access to the item and when they say hey it's my turn I want that they're not getting the response 
that they want, which is to have their sibling or their peer give them that item back. Mm-hmm. That's not working for them. So they're going to try something else, which is hitting, which they found to be successful because then the child drops the item and they can go over and retrieve it and get what they want. Well, what's a, what's something else that they could do? Can they go over and say, mom, I've asked him for the toy and he won't give it to me. I need your help. please." And so then that's an appropriate way for them to get their need met. Or if they want your attention, you're busy with your, you said you got three kids. So you're busy with the baby mm-hmm. and one of the older kiddos wants your attention. So they come over and they hit the baby mm-hmm. because they know mom's going to turn around and she's going to say, Oh, I can't let you hit the baby. That's not safe. Well, mm-hmm. well then what they've, they've, that's positive reinforcement. If they continue to hit the baby to gain your attention, then it's working. So what's something else they can do? Maybe they can come over and put a hand on your shoulder and say, mom, can you come play with me? Mm -hmm. And then we can be sure that we're delivering the attention for those appropriate behaviors. Do you recommend that parents um, write down the certain behaviors that they'd like to uh, modify with their children? And then that can help them perhaps find a replacement? Um, I I love data collection. I think that's a fantastic (laughs) idea. Um, Yeah, being a little detective and Mm -hmm. making making notes of, yeah, what, what is this challenging behavior? What does it look like? When do I see it? So you can start to, to tease apart, you know, when I'm busy and I'm preoccupied and I'm doing something else like cooking dinner, I'm starting to notice certain behaviors happening and then I have to go over and address those behaviors. That's making me think like they need some more attention from me uh, and we need to come up with appropriate ways for them to ask me for attention or mm-hmm. I need to be proactive in making sure I'm giving them enough attention before I need to go and do something else, making sure that um, I fill their cup so that they're not desperately seeking my attention because they've already just had a bunch of it. Whatever the function is, if it's if it's escape and they're in a challenging situation like doing their homework and it's really tough for them. Okay, so what are some, instead of hiding their homework in their backpack and not bringing it out and completing it and then you get a call from the teacher saying, Johnny hasn't completed his homework all month. What's going on? Mm-hmm. There's something about doing the homework that they're trying to escape that they, they find aversive. So can they ask you for help? Can you get a tutor? Can you do part of the homework sheet with them so they're not completing the whole thing by themselves? So it's a less overwhelming task for them. You know, what sort of, how can you set them up for success? And if, if they say to you, mom, I just, I need a break and I just can't do my homework. Then making sure that you honor those requests, those appropriate ways to meet their needs and say, okay, um, you know what? I'll write a note to your teacher saying, we just couldn't get the homework done tonight. Thanks for letting me know that you were overwhelmed and needed a break. And um, we'll pick this up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And using that example of homework or even the previous example with um, the child who's perhaps looking for attention while you're, you're preparing dinner, um, l- let's again contrast um, positive reinforcement and praise. So mm-hmm. if your child successfully finishes their homework without 
any issues or you're able to successfully finish dinner without your child getting upset or even a small child having a tantrum is it wrong to congratulate them or to give them praise for for doing so and for for being successful i guess in terms of their behavior i think that's a great question and what i like to to know is is what you're doing working well for you are you finding that what you know whatever it is whether you've set up a system in particular or you're not really thinking about it you're just winging the parenting thing is it, is it working really well for you? Is your, te- is your child completing the task that they need to be completing? And mm-hmm. if it isn't broken, I don't think you need to fix it. If you're seeing like, like I know my child can ask for help. Um, I've seen them do it before, but they're not doing it often enough. And mm-hmm. they're relying too often on this other behavior which is hitting or screaming or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. then you can think okay so maybe I do need to focus more on positive reinforcement and how I can increase that appropriate alternative behavior because the more that my child is engaging in those appropriate behaviors to get their needs met then the less time they're spending engaging in those other inappropriate behaviors Mm -hmm. so yeah maybe you do need to spend more time showing your child by saying, I, wow, you just said, may I have a cookie, please? And you used your manners. That's fantastic. So that they know, okay, this is it. This is the right way to get what I need and to get my needs met. So maybe they do need that information to signal to them. Um, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm on mm-hmm. the right path. This is This is how I'm going to to be successful in meeting them. And in the long run, um, if you have an exa- if you have um, a child around the age of two or three, let's say every time they show you a drawing, you tell them, wow, that's a beautiful drawing, or um, keep giving them this sort of feedback. You know, some people claim that, you know, you can have a child who becomes some sort of, in quotes, um, praise, you know, junkie. Mm-hmm. When it comes to positive reinforcement, I guess there's a big gray zone and maybe yeah. going back to positive reinforcement versus praise so that I want to make sure that everybody understands what the language would be between those two if you're giving feedback, for example, on a drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it isn't positive reinforcement that's the problem. It's the way people are using rewards. And if they're using them incorrectly, then that's where um, we're not going to see desired results. So if uh, anytime we contrive um, reinforcers, so we, we set up a system that we wouldn't normally naturally see, mm-hmm. we want to be mindful of planning for how we are going to slowly fade out that system of reinforcement so that our child is just meeting with natural enforce reinforcers in their environment because uh, we can't walk around when our child is an adult and has a job looking over their shoulder at work as <laughs> they're ty- typing up a report being like, Oh, Good I'm job. so proud of you, Susie. Look at you working on your report, right? That's not, yeah. um, they need to be able to do those things and meet with those natural contingencies in their environment. So if that's, you know, doing their work and getting a paycheck or maybe every three to six months they get a 
um, a meeting with their supervisor who go who explains to them and goes over the things that are going really well in their job for them. Those, mm-hmm. those are that's naturally how we contact reinforcement in that environment, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that our child can successfully perform those skills with that level, because because it, it's everywhere. That's how we know. Um, that's just how behaviors work. Mm-hmm. They get reinforced and they continue. So it's going to happen. Uh, naturally, but mm-hmm. sometimes our kids need that little extra boost in the beginning. And even adults, we need it too. We just That's need true. that little extra attention in the beginning to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And once we've built up those good habits, and it's not such a challenge for us to to perform that behavior anymore, and and we can do it without so much effort, then that's where we can start to fade back those um, those extra bonuses that we've put in place that, you know, when you fold your laundry and put it away, you don't always get to go eat a candy. <laughs> so right? I guess more of that. So we want to uh, enforce that good behavior and then move away from the verbal comments, I guess, so that motivation becomes internal versus external. Yeah, Is if you that, want your yeah. kid... If you, if that's the purpose, if you want your kid to be intrinsically motivated by it, Mm -hmm. um, then yeah, allowing them to do those activities that they enjoy without um, adding in any extra praise necessarily. And just, and just being aware of um, that, you know, it's, it's okay if they Mm -hmm. need some extra positive reinforcement in the beginning, just being conscious of how am I going to systematically withdraw this extra, if it's the attention that is working for them, how can you withdraw that in a very gradual way so that then they're just meeting with, you know, naturally when they draw a picture at school, someone's probably going to come over and be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't necessarily need their teacher at the end of every art class coming over to debrief with them about how fantastic their (laughs) painting was. Would there be signs that perhaps you're giving too much um, praise to your child? Let's say back to the example of the drawing, if your child draws and keeps asking you if it's okay, if it's nice, Mm -hmm. the colors, um, should you maybe instead of giving compliments such as you know it's beautiful it's it's a perfect drawing you're so amazing at this maybe complimenting the color they chose or something a bit less um I don't know what the word is but it's something a bit less specific to them and and more to the drawing itself yeah um I think that's I think that's a great a great way to approach it sort of look at are you, are you starting to see um some again some behavior that you think is maybe inappropriate or it could be um, a, it could be hindering their ability to be successful if they're constantly stopping what they're doing and seeking the approval of people around them mm-hmm. um, yeah then you can think about okay how can I um, make sure the focus is on you know completing the task whether or not it's done perfectly whether or not everyone loves it that's not what the goal is the goal is just to you know do your drawing and if you like it and you feel good about it then then that's enough for you mm-hmm. so saying you know t- yeah tell me about your drawing mm, yes I see how how you did draw a, a, um, 
a police vehicle here. Yeah. And you put the sirens on top. Interesting. Right. And so how, you know, instead of you saying, oh, that was really great how you did used blue, you know, why don't you tell me what you like about your picture? Mm -hmm. I like that example. Well, you were asking about, you know, praise and how, how can we give effective praise? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we do want to just kind of describe what we're seeing that we want to see more of. So if your child is waiting their turn for their sibling to finish playing with the toy, and usually they would just go over and rip the toy out of their sibling's hand, <laughs> then you maybe do want to take a moment to go over and say, wow, I see how you're sitting here reading a book. I can see you looking up and glancing at your brother, waiting for him to be done so you can go over and and play with it. That's that's fantastic waiting, buddy. When he's done, you're you're gonna get a chance to do that. Super mm-hmm. cool. Right? So maybe you do wanna say something specific about mm-hmm. that behavior and and why it's great that they're practicing it. This will help them, I I, I assume, just know exactly what they did that was right and Exactly. Instead of being like, hey, nice reading. (laughs) That's like, you know, that's not really what it's about. Or those, you know, those empty, hey, fantastic. Good job. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yay me. What? Wait, what? (laughs) And then they finish their meal and you say, good job. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wait Mm -hmm. a second. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. And what about uh, verbal versus nonverbal? Um. I guess feedback. I, I would say hmm. is it, when it comes to positive reinforcement. Is it always verbal in terms of you know uh, giving s- examples, or can you do that in a nonverbal way, such as a high five or a hug? So positive reinforcement is again whatever mm-hmm. increases the future likelihood that behavior will occur again. So it's very individual specific. So that's why we want to understand our child and the things that motivate them really well so that we can tailor our responses to their needs. Um, If your child likes physical affection and hugs and high fives and things like that, um, and that's, that's what they're looking for from you, then yeah, definitely include that, you know, physical attention along with your, with your verbal praise, if that's what they like. Uh, If, if they're, you know, maybe an older child who maybe doesn't want you hugging them in public when they, when you say, oh, remember, leave your cell phone with me mm-hmm. um, before you go into school because, you know, you're not supposed to have your cell phone um, in school and I don't, I don't want you to have it removed or get detention and you've been having a problem with them relinquishing their cell phone and they've been bringing it in and they've been getting detention, but this time they hand it over to you with no issue, maybe giving them a big hug in front of their peers is <laughs> not what's going to work to yeah. increase the likelihood that they're going to give you their phone next time you ask without a battle. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you can't just say, Oh, like this is great. I'm, I'm going to do like, who wouldn't love a big hug? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you're, Maybe your 16-year-old son doesn't want a big hug outside the drop-off zone at school. So, um, yeah, so just asking your child what they want or asking other 
people around them, you know, at, at school, what, you know, what sort of things does he like to play with or engage with? And then you, you know, you can have those items available mm -hmm. if you need them. And let's, uh, let's take an example of a behavior or a challenging behavior that we want to modify. Let's go mm -hmm. back to that example of a child who's about two or three and who's um, a child who's hitting. How do we, uh, how can we go about it in terms of positive reinforcement? So I think maybe our go-to reaction if a child is hitting is punishment, right? So mm -hmm. saying no, perhaps removing them away from the situation and maybe a timeout. Mm -hmm. Is this the right way to go about it? And if not, how would you go about it? What do you recommend? So as a behavior analyst, I like to focus on positive reinforcement strategies mm -hmm. to increase those appropriate alternative behaviors before I implement punishment procedures. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it's just uh, an ethical and humane way to treat human beings. Uh, it's the way that I would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So um, I like that you said that because that's something that I um, try to do myself as a parent, whether my child is six months old or four years old, I always think of what I say to them and how I act with them. Is this a way that I would do it with another adult or I would want to be done with me? Um, exactly. You know, and I think that for me, um, just as a side note, but it's worked well in terms of if it's time to change, I don't just take my child's shirt off. I let them know that I'm going to, you know, change their clothes and help me lift your arms because it's, it minimizes their emotional reaction to it. Exactly. Um, but that's just as a side note. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. So, okay, mm -hmm. yes. So going back to how we would deal with this behavior. Yeah, because even, even if you think about yourself and you make a mistake, do you want someone yelling at you? Mm. No. <laughs> if, right. If someone said to me um you you didn't hopefully um I would still be um upset if a police officer pulled me over but if a police <laughs> officer pulled me over and said you did not use your left hand turn signal before you made that turn right mm -hmm. oops I made a mistake it is just as effective for him to say ma'am you did not use your left hand turn signal before you pulled into the intersection mm-hmm there's no reason why he would need to come up to me and say, what did you just do? What did you, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so we, our children don't need us to yell at them or berate them, um, for making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Is it important to explain the correct thing to, correct way to do things or you know the more appropriate socially accepted way to do things yeah um it, saying um i think this example gets used a lot okay don't think of a pink elephant what are you thinking of <laughs> a pink elephant <laughs> right so if we want our children to behave in a certain way then instead of you know, no, stop, don't. We want to think, what do I want them to be doing? So going back to what you said at the beginning, you know, what do we want to replace this behavior with? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you could say, I I like to 
um, use fun little games with my toddler. So when he's, um, I can see his hands are getting ready to like push his sister or something. Mm -hmm. I can say, oh, hey, show me your nose. And he's like, what? Hey, what? Oh, and he's (laughs) touching his nose. I was like, oh, yeah. So I try to give him other things he can do with his hands. Like, oh, what do we bet? What do we think? Do you want to tickle your sister? Why don't you go over and tickle her toes? <laughs> I like so, that. Right. So yeah. instead of saying, don't hit your sister, stop that, where he's left wondering, okay, now what? I'm not supposed to hit her, but oh, maybe I'll just give her a little kick. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, no, don't hit her and don't kick her. Okay, cool. Like, maybe I'll just give her a little pinch. Mm-hmm. No, don't hit her. Don't kick her. Well, how about we just what come can in I with do? Yeah. yeah. What can, what can you do? Mm-hmm. And they come over. You can say hello. You can smile. You can give her a tickle, and find those appropriate ways to get her attention that isn't pushing her over. Mm-hmm. When it comes to positive reinforcement, it's it seems to be having a not a plan, but coming up with a strategy. So seeing what the replacement behavior should be. So if your child is hitting because their sibling takes their toy away, then going back again to what you said, so why is it happening and what can we replace it with? So should those be the two questions we ask ourselves when it comes to a more challenging behavior? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And and it on the surface, you might need to do a little digging and, and watch the patterns and even talk to your child if they're older and at the level where they can maybe explain to you what they need if, if your child's you know, younger, just two, three, or four, then you're going to have to tease out what that is mm-hmm. for them. But yes, you can start to see, you know, usually, for example, um, if I'm having a difficult time with the bedtime routine, and I say, okay, it's time to tidy up your toys and brush your teeth, and they flop to the ground and start mm. kicking and screaming. Um Okay, then what usually happens next? Then usually what happens next is I I give them a big hug and I say, it's okay, we'll, we'll read one more book and then we'll tidy up our books and go brush our teeth. Um, so, so what's happening there? They're getting some attention. They're escaping from having to tidy up and brush their teeth. They're getting access to more stories and books. So those are three different functions of behavior, attention, escape, and tangible. So mm-hmm. if, if that's what's happening, then we have to think, okay, so what are appropriate ways that they can have our attention, that they can have access to those books, and that if they need to, they can escape from tidying up and brushing their teeth? Well, I can. Make sure that, you know, five, ten minutes before I ask them to brush their teeth, that I'm sitting with them and reading with them. And um, and we're going to practice. We're going to play a game. We're going to do role play. And I'm going to say, you know, it's time to brush your teeth and put away your books. And you're going to say, can we just read one more book, please? And I'm going <laughs> to say, sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. And doing that. And then once they're successful in saying oh can I just finish I just want to get through the the rest of this this book and when it's done then I'll go upstairs and brush my teeth once they're successful with asking you for that then you can start to think okay so now I need to teach 
um, teach my child to wait, right? So, Mm -hmm. or, you know, no, this isn't possible. That's a skill that we all need to learn. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to wait a long time to get what we want. And sometimes we will never be able to get what we want because it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and without anything, we're playing the long game. We're in this for the long haul. It's going to take some time and effort. And there aren't any magic answers that I can give you to say, if you do this tomorrow, your child will listen to you. Mm-hmm. That is just not going to happen. No. There's things that you can do like positive reinforcement. And you're going to do it multiple times a day for many days, weeks, months, years for, <laughs> you know, and there, and these skills are going to grow and these skills are going to develop and your child's going to get better and better and better at doing these things without a hassle um and i think part of that is also cognitive development right i mean yeah like you said it takes time and part of that is because their brain is still developing so if you if your two-year-old has trouble waiting it's because they're still developing their attention skills and this won't happen on their own this this won't happen on its own so you have to help them develop their attention skills and then continue the positive reinforcement and as the brain keeps developing perhaps some of those issues will you know stop exactly mm-hmm. and, and 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 being aware of what is developmentally appropriate mm-hmm. because if your child is functioning at that at the developmental level of a two or three year old exactly you have certain expectations for how long they're able to wait for something mm-hmm. yeah versus you know your older uh, um adolescent child and the, and how long they're able to wait for something Mm-hmm. Now that we, we just contrasted different age groups, what about um, a child of the same age? So, uh, you know, preschool child, are there, um, can positive reinforcement work for all children or are there certain groups of children that it might not work for? A child maybe who has autism spectrum disorder, would positive reinforcement not work with them or it works across the board? works everywhere with everyone with animals with humans (laughs) if if there's a behavior and and it's increasing Mm -hmm. we can thank positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement but we won't get into um yeah that could be another detail of the the differences (laughs) there like let's just say in general reinforcement is at play Mm -hmm. yeah so if you're um, a supervisor and you've got staff underneath you and you're working to change behavior to improve staff performance, you can use positive reinforcement strategies. If you're working with um, your toddler to teach new skills, if, you're, if your child has um, an autism spectrum disorder, if you're working on uh, anything, uh, building a new relationship with your partner or your friend or a family member you want to change the the patterns of interaction and and the way that things are going then you've got the science of applied behavior analysis to give you some ideas for effective behavior change Mm -hmm. so i just want to cover a few questions that i received from some um, followers online on instagram and uh, or one person said that they do not offer any praise to their child. Um, and they wanted to know if there's such a thing as too little praise. And how would they know if it's too little? You'll know if your child is 
developing the skills that they need to be successful to participate in society and have a fulfilling life. If what you're doing is working for them, um, then then that's fantastic. If mm-hmm. you're starting if you're starting to see some challenges um, and there's some skills that you think that they need some more support in developing and and maybe that looks like praise and maybe that's what they need or maybe it looks like something else um you know setting up a system where first you do your homework and then you get to play your video games or whatever that whatever that needs to be whatever that needs to look like so i think i think everyone can They'll, they'll know what fits within their family and, mm-hmm. and what works what works best for them. Just to summarize again, you were, we, you, we started off by um, contrasting praise and positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. You said they are not the same. Right. So okay. pr- praise could be positive reinforcement if when you deliver praise in the future, you see that behavior occurring again. If, and like I said, if, you know, you get called up to the front of the class and the teacher is like, fantastic job, Cindy. You just got 100% on your test. No one else did that. I'm so impressed. And you're looking around the class at all your peers and you're so mortified. And you're <laughs> like, definitely next time I write this test, I'm going to get it. I'm purposely going to answer a couple questions wrong because I don't ever <laughs> want to be pulled in front of the exactly. class again and have mm-hmm. my teacher like sing my praises <laughs> to the entire class, right? Then, then, oh, that, then that in that instance, that teacher is just like, you know, they're trying to support their students who are excelling and, and deliver praise and, and show them how fantastic the work is that they're doing. But in that instance, that did not work for that student mm-hmm. to increase um, future instances of you know, uh, accurate responding on their test. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you would want to end this conversation with in terms of your best tips for parents when it comes to effective positive reinforcement? Yes. So I do want to do that. But also, if we can go back to, does positive reinforcement work the same in all children, like children oh, yeah. with autism? Or, mm-hmm. um, something that I can add to that is sure. each person is unique. And so the way that they experience consequences is going to differ from one person to another. And our brain structures are going to change, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, someone with oppositional defiant disorder or um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, the way that, um, you know, consequences or rewards work for them might be different. It's different for every person, um, depending on, on our brain structures and the, and the way that we interpret things that are happening in our environment. Mm -hmm. So, so just allowing for, you know, you can see what works for someone else and you can maybe try that and see if it works for you, but you really are going to need to tailor things to your own situation and do what fits best because what works for someone else might not work for you and your child and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so just taking the time to think about, you know, why does my child need so much more attention and praise than the than another child or you know that's okay it is what it is if that's Mm -hmm. what your child needs to succeed then you can find ways to set up their environment for them so that they can be successful with what they need and if someone you know my child doesn't like 
to have me, you know, looking over their shoulder and giving them feedback on everything that they're doing. My child does best when I just leave them to their own devices. Mm-hmm. Great. That's fantastic. Like, I love how you've noticed that that's what works for your child and you're able to provide them with the space that they need to grow and flourish. So I think having that individualized approach in, and even your child, like you probably notice, I've got two kids that are similar ages to, to your mm-hmm. three. They're so different. I was like, oh, having yeah. a second kid, this is going to be so awesome because I've learned so much from my first. And it's like, Copy, nope. paste. Nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does not work that way. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned how every child is different. So when it comes to a positive reinforcement, can it be not detrimental, but can it hinder perhaps a child's internal motivation? There are studies that have shown, you know, if you if you want your child to be intrinsically motivated and just appreciate the task for the task itself, that if you're giving them um, rewards, then maybe they're distracted and they're mm-hmm. focusing on like, oh, I know that if I build this Lego set, that when I'm done, I'm going to have a big slice of chocolate cake, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so if you just want them to enjoy the process of building a Lego city, then maybe you just want to join, um, maybe you just want to use, you know, that feedback that we were talking about mm-hmm. um, instead of contriving, setting up those extra like rewards over and above what the activity in and of itself provides. Mm-hmm. Or just even joining them to, to play yeah. rather than providing any feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had read about a mirroring when you're playing with a child. So instead of just saying, oh, great job, you chose the red car, just mirroring what they're doing. So kind of being the narrator as you're playing with them, with a a young child saying, you chose the red car or just something neutral. But you're engaging with them and research showed that just mirroring your child's movements or their, their actions is a type of positive reinforcement in the sense that it's giving them that pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess sometimes you don't realize that, you know, it doesn't have to be 100%. You're amazing. This is the best. Good job. You know, it, those kind of just giving something generic or right neutral is also mm-hmm. beneficial to them. Yeah. Yeah. Like that sounds like a great way to connect with your child and mm-hmm. connecting. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, in particular, I like that idea of maybe narrating their play. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes we can get wrapped up in like, oh, what color is this? And what's your favorite toy to play with? And you're just, all you're trying to do is connect with them. Yeah. But it could come across as bombarding them. With <laughs> questions, yeah. And then that feels really stressful. And it's like, this isn't fun. You keep asking <laughs> me like, how many cars are there? And it's like, Maybe that's easy for you to count that there are three cars, but maybe for your child to be like, what? Can I just play? How many? Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you also mentioned, you know, going about it the way your child is more comfortable with. So Mm -hmm. I could see that in terms of an older child. But if you have a child who's younger, 18 months or two, two and a half, and you're still trying to discover them, right? So and, Mm -hmm. and still trying to get to know them. How do you know what works for them? Just trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like there's, there's no harm in looking at you know, these great ideas on Pinterest or wherever else of these activities and things you can do with your child. And sure, if you want to go for it, 
I saw a fantastic thing where you put some paint in between two pieces of um, like a clear sheet that you slip your documents into and then that mm-hmm. way your child can finger paint and they don't actually get messy oh yeah. Like, yeah that's great like no mess for me to <laughs> clean up and and my baby can just like squish this around mm-hmm. what a nice and she was not about it <laughs> had no interest in doing it whatsoever and I was like okay cool Maybe I'll try it again and come back to it later. And maybe that is an activity that she does find um, enjoyable. But right now, that's not what works. Okay, so I'm going to try something else. So what would be your two to three tips when it comes to um, effective, positive uh, reinforcement? Yeah, so I don't know if I can limit it to two to three, but I'll try to be as concise as possible. Um, I think that starting with what your child can easily do and building upon it, so that they can meet with success in the beginning mm-hmm. um, so that they're not overwhelmed and, and making mistakes. And then you can deliver positive reinforcement because they can complete that task correctly. And then you can start to make it more challenging as you go on. And you want to make sure that, you know, we talked a bit about what does my child enjoy and what is reinforcing for them? So you want to make sure that you do know what those quality reinforcers are for your child so that they're, if they're doing something more difficult, that they have a higher value reward available for that more difficult, more challenging task. Mm -hmm. And using a variety of reinforcers so that your child doesn't get sick of, you know, oh, fantastic, you brush your teeth. Now we're going to read this book. And Mm -hmm. it's the same book every night. And now they're like, okay, I don't want (laughs) to do this anymore. So Mm -hmm. um, making sure it's different toys and activities and your attention and and whatever whatever they need, whatever works for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked about telling your child the correct behavior before... Mm -hmm. The challenging behavior occurs so they know what's expected from them so they're not trying to guess what they should be doing mm-hmm. in the beginning to see more of that new behavior that they're having difficulty displaying we want to make sure that we're delivering positive reinforcement often and then we talked about you want to systematically fade that back mm-hmm. so that gradually they're, you're not stepping in to provide this extra reinforcement all the time. Now it's just, I brush my teeth and my mouth feels minty fresh and people like to be around me because I smell good. And now it's not about like I brush my teeth and I get to do X, Y, Z that my parents have set up for me. Now it's just, it's just the natural contingencies in our environment that are maintaining this behavior. And uh, maybe just to be the voice of um, the parents that sent me some emails, I think some really wanted to learn more specifically what some reinforcers are. So you mentioned, you know, delivering these reinforcers, having quality and a variety. But when you say reinforcer, Mm -hmm. are these specific statements? Are these uh, specific actions? And maybe if you can provide us with some examples of those so that, you know, parents could apply that with their children. Yeah, so we we talked a lot about social reinforcers. So like praise, attention, hugs, high fives. Mm -hmm. And that's just one category of reinforcers. Wow, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so there's activity reinforcers. reinforcers. So playing, you know, playing a board game or 
reading your favorite book or going to the zoo. So those are activities that can be rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tangible reinforcers. So those are things that you can manipulate, like stickers some kids like or uh, toys, you know, Thomas the Train. And there's sensory reinforcers. So maybe listening to music or going for a massage. And then there's mm-hmm. edible reinforcers, so food and drink. So those are all different categories of reinforcers. And again, this is so important in the beginning when our child is developing a new skill. This is challenging for them. We want to make sure that they stick with it and that they keep doing it again and again. Then it's going to get easier. And then we'll be able to fade back these reinforce the use of these reinforcers so that they're just meeting with natural reinforcement that it would occur typically in their environment and then that's enough to get them through well thank you so much courtney for taking the time to chat with me i've learned a lot from you and i really hope that uh, we answered everybody's questions um if there are more questions they can follow you at uh, built-in behavior right on instagram yes please i'm happy to chat with anyone anytime about aba i love it so much <laughs> thank you so much thank you I'd like to go back to the article that I mentioned before my interview with Courtney. They bring up a few points that I think are really important to mention. So they remind us that as adults, we have to understand that we know what the opposite action is of something. So if we're asking a child not to climb the couch and all we do is repeat, don't climb the couch, we are not giving them the action that we would like them to repeat. We really need to remind the child of the behavior that is desired. And this will increase the likelihood of them applying this. Also, it's really important for us to use positive reinforcers that are easily and quickly attainable. So what I mean by this is if you're always going to give candy or um, stickers as a positive reinforcement, you might end up being somewhere like the mall or at a restaurant and not have candy or stickers on you. What would you do in that instance? That's why the authors emphasize the fact that positive reinforcement can also be Um, showing interest in what the child is doing and they call this positive attention and this can also have an impact in the child's behavior. There's also a really subtle but important distinction between identifying a positive behavior when a child is engaging in it and giving a child reinforcement for behavior that does not warrant it. So here's what I mean. Imagine if your child is having a temper tantrum in the middle of a mall. You might give your child a candy knowing that it'll stop this emotional outburst that they're having. But because of the close proximity of the negative behaviors, which is the tantrum, and the positive reinforcement being the candy, these actions actually serve to ensure the likelihood that the behavior will continue because they are so close together. So one effective technique is to distract a child with a more appropriate behavior and then quickly reinforce it. For example, if a child is climbing the couch and you want them to get off, instead of saying no climbing, you can take the child's hand and direct them to another area of your home, for example, a little play area with blocks, where you can engage with your child, start building and stacking blocks, along with providing positive comments and attention. This distinction in the use of positive attention, although subtle, is essential. Calling across the room, get down, we don't climb the couch, neither stops the behavior nor indicates the behavior that is desired, going back to my first point that they mentioned. So these are really important points that we should keep in mind when using um, positive reinforcement or trying to modify our children's behavior. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember, if you'd like to vote for the topics and to ask questions for the experts that I'll be interviewing, follow us on Instagram. You could find us using the handle curious underscore neuron. Visit our website at curiousneuron.com if you'd like some more articles and some activities all centered around child development and education. Until next time, stay curious! Stay curious!